Chapter Six of Tarzan of the Apes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter Six: Jungle Battles. The wanderings of the tribe brought them often near the closed and silent cabin by the little landlocked harbor. To Tarzan this was always a source of never-ending mystery and pleasure. He would peek into the curtain windows, or, climbing upon the roof, peer down the black depths of the chimney in vain endeavor to solve the unknown wonders that lay within those strong walls. His childlike imagination pictured wonderful creatures within and the very impossibility of forcing entrance added a thousandfold to his desire to do so. He would clamber about the roof and windows for hours, attempting to discover means of ingress, but to the door he paid little attention, for this was apparently as solid as the walls. It was in the next visit to the vicinity, following the adventure with old Sabor, that, as he approached the cabin, Tarzan noted that from a distance the door appeared to be an independent part of the wall in which it was set, and for the first time it occurred to him that this might prove the means of entrance which had so long eluded him. He was alone, as was often the case when he visited the cabin, for the apes had no love for it, the story of the thunderstick having lost nothing in the telling during these ten years had quite surrounded the white man's deserted abode with an atmosphere of weirdness and terror for the simians. The story of his own connection with the cabin had never been told him. The language of the apes had so few words that they could talk but little of what they had seen in the cabin, having no words to accurately describe either the strange people or their belongings, and so, long before Tarzan was old enough to understand, the subject had been forgotten by the tribe. Only in a dim, vague way had Kayla explained to him that his father had been a strange white ape, but he did not know that Kayla was not his own mother. On this day, then, he went directly to the door and spent hours examining it and fussing with the hinges, the knob, and the latch. Finally he stumbled upon the right combination, and the door swung creakingly open before his astonished eyes. For some minutes he did not dare venture within, but finally, as his eyes became accustomed to the dim light of the interior, he slowly and cautiously entered. In the middle of the floor lay a skeleton, every vestige of flesh gone from the bones to which still clung the mildewed and moldering remnants of what had once been clothing. Upon the bed lay a similar gruesome thing, but smaller, while in a tiny cradle nearby was a third, a wee mite of a skeleton. To none of these evidences of a fearful tragedy of a long dead day did little Tarzan give but passing heed. His wild jungle life had inured him to the sight of dead and dying animals, and had he known that he was looking upon the remains of his own father and mother, he would have been no more greatly moved. The furnishings and other contents of the room it was that which riveted his attention. He examined many things minutely strange tools and weapons, books, paper, clothing, what little had withstood the ravages of time and the human atmosphere of the jungle coast. He opened chests and cupboards, such as did not baffle his small experience, and in these he found the contents much better preserved. 
Among other things he found a sharp hunting-knife, on the keen blade of which he immediately proceeded to cut his finger. Undaunted he continued his experiments, finding that he could hack and hew splinters of wood from the table and chairs with this new toy. For a long time this amused him, but finally tiring he continued his explorations. In a cupboard filled with books he came across one with brightly colored pictures. It was a child's illustrated alphabet. A is for Archer, who shoots with a bow. B is for Boy, his first name is Joe. The pictures interested him greatly. There were many apes with faces similar to his own, and further over in the book he found, under M, some little monkeys such as he saw daily flitting through the trees of his primeval forest. But nowhere was pictured any of his own people, and all the book was none that resembled Kerchak, or Tublat, or Kala. At first he tried to pick the little figures from the leaves, but he soon saw that they were not real, though he knew not what they might be, nor had he any words to describe them. The boats and trains and cows and horses were quite meaningless to him, but not quite so baffling as the odd little figures which appeared beneath and between the colored pictures. Some strange kind of bug he thought they might be, for many of them had legs, though nowhere could he find one with eyes and a mouth. It was his first introduction to the letters of the alphabet, and he was over ten years old. Of course he had never before seen print, or ever had spoken with any living thing which had the remotest idea that such a thing as a written language existed, nor ever had he seen any one reading. So what wonder that the little boy was quite at a loss to guess the meaning of these strange figures. Near the middle of the book he found his old enemy, Sabor the lioness, and further on coiled Hista the snake. Oh, it was most engrossing! Never before in all his ten years had he enjoyed anything so much. So absorbed was he that he did not note the approaching dusk, until it was quite upon him and the figures were blurred. He put the book back in the cupboard and closed the door, for he did not wish anyone else to find and destroy his treasure, and as he went out into the gathering darkness he closed the great door of the cabin behind him, as it had been before he discovered the secret of its lock. But before he left he had noticed the hunting-knife lying where he had thrown it upon the floor, and this he picked up and took with him to show to his fellows. He had taken scarce a dozen steps toward the jungle when a great form rose up before him from the shadows of a low bush. At first he thought it was one of his own people, but in another instant he realized it was Bolgani, the huge gorilla. So close was he that there was no chance for flight, and little Tarzan knew that he must stand and fight for his life, for these great beasts were the deadly enemies of his tribe, and neither one nor the other ever asked or gave quarter. Had Tarzan been a full-grown bull-ape of the species of his tribe he would have been more than a match for the gorilla, but being only a little English boy, though enormously muscular for such, he stood no chance against his cruel antagonist. In his veins, though, flowed the blood of the best of a race of mighty fighters, and back of this was the training of his short lifetime among the fierce brutes of the jungle. He knew no fear, as we know it. His little heart beat the faster, but from the excitement and exhilaration of adventure. Had the opportunity presented itself he would have escaped, but solely because his judgment told him he was no match for the great thing which confronted him. 
and since reason showed him that successful flight was impossible, he met the gorilla squarely and bravely, without a tremor of a single muscle, or any sign of panic. In fact, he met the brute midway in its charge, striking its huge body with his closed fists, and as futilely as if he had been a fly attacking an elephant. But in one hand he still clutched the knife he had found in the cabin of his father, and as the brute, striking and biting, closed upon him, the boy accidentally turned the point toward the hairy breast. As the knife sank deep into its body, the gorilla shrieked in pain and rage. But the boy had learned in that brief second a use for his sharp and shining toy, so that, as the tearing, striking beast dragged him to earth, he plunged the blade repeatedly and to the hilt into its breast. The gorilla, fighting after the manner of its kind, struck terrific blows with its open hand, and tore the flesh at the boy's throat and chest with its mighty tusks. For a moment they rolled upon the ground in the fierce frenzy of combat. More and more weakly the torn and bleeding arm struck home with the long sharp blade, then the little figure stiffened with a spasmodic jerk, and Tarzan, the young Lord Greystoke, rolled unconscious upon the dead and decaying vegetation which carpeted his jungle home. A mile back in the forest the tribe had heard the fierce challenge of the gorilla, and as was his custom when any danger threatened, Kerchak called his people together, partly for mutual protection against a common enemy, since this gorilla might be but one of a party of several, and also to see that all members of the tribe were accounted for. It was soon discovered that Tarzan was missing, and Tublat was strongly opposed to sending assistance. Kerchak himself had no liking for the strange little waif, so he listened to Tublat, and finally, with a shrug of his shoulders, turned back to the pile of leaves on which he had made his bed. But Kayla was of a different mind. In fact, she had not waited but to learn that Tarzan was absent, ere she was fairly flying through the matted branches toward the point from which the cries of the gorilla were still plainly audible. Darkness had now fallen and an early moon was sending its faint light to cast strange, grotesque shadows among the dense foliage of the forest. Here and there the brilliant rays penetrated to earth, but for the most part they only served to accentuate the Stygian blackness of the jungle's depths. Like some huge phantom, Kayla swung noiselessly from tree to tree, now running nimbly along a great branch, now swinging through space at the end of another only to grasp that of a farther tree in her rapid progress toward the scene of the tragedy her knowledge of jungle life told her was being enacted a short distance before her. The cries of the gorilla proclaimed that it was in mortal combat with some other denizen of the fierce wood. Suddenly those cries ceased, and the silence of death reigned throughout the jungle. Kayla could not understand for the voice of Bolgani had at last been raised in the agony of suffering and death, but no sound had come to her by which she possibly could determine the nature of his antagonist. That her little Tarzan could destroy a great bull gorilla she knew to be improbable, and so, as she neared the spot from which the sounds of the struggle had come, she moved more warily, and at last slowly, and with extreme caution, she traversed the lowest branches peering eagerly into the moon-splashed blackness for a sign of the combatants. Presently she came upon them, lying in a little open space full under the brilliant light of the moon, little Tarzan's torn and bloody form, and beside it a great bull gorilla, stone dead. 
With a low cry, Kayla rushed to Tarzan's side, and gathering the poor, blood-covered body to her breast, listened for a sign of life. Faintly, she heard it, the weak beating of the little heart. Tenderly she bore him back through the inky jungle to where the tribe lay, and for many days and nights she sat guard beside him, bringing him food and water, and brushing the flies and other insects from his cruel wounds. Of medicine or surgery the poor thing knew nothing. She could but lick the wounds, and thus she kept them cleansed, that healing nature might the more quickly do her work. At first Tarzan would eat nothing, but rolled and tossed in a wild delirium of fever. All he craved was water, and this she brought him in the only way she could, bearing it in her own mouth. No human mother could have shown more unselfish and sacrificing devotion than did this poor wild brute for the little orphaned waif whom fate had thrown into her keeping. At last the fever abated, and the boy commenced to mend. No word of complaint passed his tight-set lips, though the pain of his wounds was excruciating. A portion of his chest was laid bare to the ribs, three of which had been broken by the mighty blows of the gorilla. One arm was nearly severed by the giant fangs, and a great piece had been torn from his neck, exposing his jugular vein, which the cruel jaws had missed but by a miracle. With the stoicism of the brutes who had raised him he endured his suffering quietly, preferring to crawl away from the others and lie huddled in some clump of tall grasses, rather than to show his misery before their eyes. Kayla alone he was glad to have with him, but now that he was better she was gone longer at a time in search of food, for the devoted animal had scarcely eaten enough to support her own life while Tarzan had been so low, and was in consequence reduced to a mere shadow of her former self. End of chapter.